What's good, man? It's your boy, Juicy J, man. Shout out to Virtual Homework Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. I have... You have? What the fuck are you... I thought there was a technical issue. No. Did you shush me? I don't know why I did this. You Okay, you're shushing me. On our podcast, that's like literally uncalled for. I am not <laughs> allowing a shush of me. You're co-host. I, I actually, I actually did We are mean equals. To. We are. E- you don't. You didn't mean to put up that finger and tell me to stop talking. I don't know why I was doing that. I think I was gonna say. I was gonna say like thank you or something like that. That's insane. Because we were like, okay, for those who don't know, sometimes we record certain segments for other segments. We had technical issues before. He's taking advantage of my state of vulnerability. <laughs> Normally, I'd it plow wasn't through intentional. him. I'm sorry. Normally, I would plow through Dana's insane disruptors of our conversation, okay? But I was trying to make a point here, and I'm going to power through at this point. I have to apologize. You were interrupting my apology. Not to you, but to the fans. That's right. I'm calling them fans because I guess there are probably a couple people after we went insanely viral, and I'm not just memeing at this point. We had a video get we five viral. figures. Stra- Holy straight up shit. Uh, carcinogenic. That's not really a virus, is it? Is Listen, we're dying. Yeah, we're, we're both dying after we saw the metrics on a recent TikTok slash YouTube short. That's right. I, every single time I upload a YouTube short, I have like an insane amount of anxiety that like people are going to genuinely hate our content. But at this point... I can say confidently that only like 30% of people hate our content. Enough people <laughs> liked the, the clip about Dana like talking about dolphin jizz that I feel like we're able to continue this podcast for another couple episodes. Thank so you. So it wasn't dolphin jizz. It was dolphin, dolphins causing others to jizz. It was a dolphin sex juice. All right. Are you happy? Yeah. And, and, and me like going like this with my nose for like the entire thing viral that's completely irrelevant i don't even know what point i was trying to make what i'm actually trying to say is that i apologize for spreading misinformation yes Uh oh this episode sorry last episode came out before the news before the confirmation from atari itself that soldier boy does not in fact own atari games soldier boy soldier boy as i may have mentioned last podcast claimed to have owned atari for a tune of $140 million, he sold his soldier game company, like the There's knockoff no consoles. And I knew for a fact it was false as soon well, as he reported that. First off, it's like that. it's literally just him like taking an already established product and just putting his name on it. Yeah, exactly. That's why it would not sell for any money. No one would want to buy that for money and take the litigation off Soldier Boy. But two, I wished it to be true. I, I'm so sad that Atari has confirmed that they are not indeed owned by Soldier Boy. I, I wish I wish Soldier Boy was able to steer the direction of Atari. He would be able to write the ship because honestly, do you think no he even has enough money to do that? Like, what's what's Soldier Boy? Because he made like an absolute fuck ton of money from like ringtones and stuff like that back. The, in, the like, funny the, thing the is, 2000s. like, this was literally an argument like back in the day. Do you not remember the uh, like the article that like Soldier Boy claims to own private jet worth more than his net worth? Like, he claimed to own like a thirty-five million dollar private jet when he only had like twenty-five million dollars in net worth, and like he eventually had to like say, you know what, I actually don't own this. I actually don't own this uh, fucking private jet. And, of course, embarrassing for Soldier Boy. 
But like, the fact I mean, he's been is... known to do this kind of shit. Say he does all this. I mean, I imagine it's just to like drum up hype and clicks and stuff like that. I mean, it's... at the same time, he's... I legitimately think that Soldier Boy might be what Atari needs to write the ship right now. I don't think that Atari has the capabilities to make a successful video game company anymore. Their time has passed. They are a shell of their former selves. They need a soldier of their future selves. Okay, from shell to soldier, an Atari story. That's the book that's going to come out in 2030. <laughs> you need to write it. I'm not going to write it. Soldier Boy's going to write it. Do you think you, he's even capable of writing a book? You write, sorry, you read books from rappers. How is your progress in the Gucci Mane autobiography and then the Gucci Mane Guide to Greatness? Those things I bought you. It's a video game podcast. It's, not, it's a video game podcast, but Gucci Mane has a song called it. Nickelodeon. That's close enough to video games, right? <laughs> That's actually a really good song. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a good song. I'm trying to think of any song about video games I can't. The closest I could think of is Nickelodeon. Don't ignore the subject, despite the fact that, Listen, yes, this I didn't is a video game anything. podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Dana. I didn't read it yet. I'm sorry. How dare you? Just like you didn't watch the fucking video that you were like, ooh, what's this? We're going to get into that in a second. But before I get into that, because this is the longest intro of all time, very important that we correct our wrongs regarding Soldier Boy. I just want to say... I don't know Take how these are going to work. Got virtual homework podcast stickers. Shoutouts to Mike, part of the virtual homework crew. That is the tentative name for people who listen to this podcast. Made me get stickers. He didn't make me, but he said, oh, it would be a good idea. And I agreed. And I uh, I think they've turned out pretty well. I will well. put it on my car. There we go. The co-host is going to put one of these stickers on his car. That's how you know it's a good endorsement. I'm just bragging I at hate this it. point. You hate it. There we go. What did we play this week? <laughs> so this is actually really, really funny. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's horrible. So we played Panzer Dragoon two weeks ago, and then we played another Saturn game, uh, which name escapes me. Uh, Nights into week. Dreams? Are you serious? Are you okay? So that's what we played. Um, but this week, we played the Panzer Dragoon remake, which is like a remaster from the ground up of the original game. So the funny thing is, I don't know why I'm making you explain this, because I was the one who picked the game this week. But yes, Dana is exactly right. We played Panzer Dragoon remake. Very creative title, by the way, if I, if I have Absolutely. to applaud the development team for the Panzer Dragoon remake. This is a remake of Panzer Dragoon, which we played two weeks ago, also my choice. I'm trying to do this weird saga thing. I will admit, this is probably the absolute worst, cha- or worst choice I could have made for a game <laughs> on this podcast. And I realized my mistake very early, because this is true a remake. So when you play this game, you are basically having the exact same gameplay experience with a couple minor tweaks i disagree okay fundamentally i'm shaking fundamentally fundamentally this this is is the exact game made a hundred times better fundamentally this is one-to-one the same exact game we played on 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 the saturn like the, the levels are the exact same you're going through the exact same rails you are going through like the exact same plot it is just an upgrade through and through from the original game it, it so, is uh, true, actually, tried and true a remake that, that is somewhat correct and somewhat incorrect so the amount of enemies is actually significantly less in some portions versus others and uh the graphics in which things fall and some of the tunnels you go through are slightly different it's nothing too crazy but like there are, there are definitely points in the game where there's like 30% less enemies uh, on the screen on the normal difficulty so- like for this i literally beat in one sitting start to finish with only one death versus i could not even 
beat it on like the easiest difficulty on the Saturn version. Okay, so I actually I I beat this game in one try. I was pretty surprised about that, but I guess that's actually I I didn't realize there were less enemies in this game. But I do want to back up a little bit. I know I've I've basically just yelled a bunch of words at the screen. But for those who don't listen to every podcast, for those who haven't listened two weeks ago, Panzer Dragoon in general was a Saturn game, one of the first Saturn games made by Sega. And it, it is actually a, one of four release titles. Well, Panzer Dragoon at this point is like an actual series with multiple different types of genres incorporated into it. There's multiple RPGs. There's apparently well, the, 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 like this original Panzer Dragoon was one of the surprise release titles for the the Saturn. In oh, America. okay. Yeah, we we have Saturn Fever. I guess that Dana has a little bit more Saturn Fever than me, and that he's actually researching the history a bit more. I'm going to concede and say that he's probably done his homework more than me. But for those who don't know, uh, Panzer Dragoon... Yeah, he did his virtual homework. Wow. Panzer Dragoon is a rail shooter that takes place in a world of, like, human beings being overrun by bionic weapons. They're trying to reclaim civilization. There's actually a legitimate amount of lore in this game. But you, as a character, have access to this, like, sort of dragon-like creature, I guess, like, a a dragoon-like creature. Well, it it just seems like you are at the right place at the wrong time type thing. Like, there's, uh, like, an evil... Well, I guess it's right place, because you were, like, the one that was able to, like, save the world. Um, So you're basically, you know, running through the fucking desert with your buddies, and you're chasing these... uh, spider snake whatever things and then you find like these old ruins and then as you're about to die in these old ruins these two dragons that are fighting each other burst in uh the good dragon guy dies and in his last dying breath says hey you happen to be here right now i need you to chase that other dragon or like the world's gonna like end so you gotta go do that and he communes all his information to you and then the game starts so yeah how about that opening cutscene though like honestly it looks so much better (laughs) yeah so i'm i'm gonna say like fundamentally the gameplay is similar enough that i feel like us going into an in-depth gameplay discussion is not necessarily worth it there are significant differences in the feel of the game based on the remake but we'll get into that in a second i will say like just when you open up this game from someone who's played the sega saturn game you can just tell holy shit this is an upgrade in the oh, graphic department, at least. Like, the actual well, like, graphics of this game are... Mo- they're modern, and, like, they look AAA. They look awesome. Like, the, the biggest problem with me with the original version is I didn't know a lot of what everything was. And, like, the reticle for shooting was, like, super laggy. Um, I didn't know where I was shooting. Like, some of the enemies were so pixelated and so far away that it was hard to shoot. Because everything was so crisp, everything was so clear, and I knew exactly where I was shooting with, like, modern controls, um, the sensitivity is a little bit higher than the original version. Um, it, it, it Because of all those things, this game is significantly easier to play uh, than the original, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I genuinely think that the graphics look appealing to look at, and I think they are a significant upgrade, and I think that they, they really did what they had to set out to do to, like, call this a legitimate, like, worthwhile remake. That being said, like, honestly, like, and you're probably going to disagree with me on this, like, I have a significant bias towards older games that I feel like you were willing to give newer games and newer graphics a chance. I felt like, just due to the fact that there was a graphical upgrade, one... I felt like it was a little bit more lifeless. I feel like you could tell that when you were playing the Saturn version of this game, the actual graphical capabilities were pushed to the max. And therefore, like, the art style was more impactful to me as someone who hadn't played that oh, many absolutely. Saturn like, games. The, the art style in this, it looks super good. It looks like it's super, like, breathtaking. Uh, it's, like, good eye candy and stuff like that. But I can see what you mean about Soulless. There's really nothing, like, special about it. I guess it's because we're um, so – what's the word I'm looking for? Um – 
not cherished where um, nostalgic no not nostalgic fucking um aware we're, we're too much of a good thing indulged indulgent i don't know yeah like i guess like we're, we're too indulged in like modern stuff or spoiled we're too spoiled with modern things looking all everything has to look good or no one cares about it but like it, it just played so 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 much better in every single aspect the controls were better um like the the being able to see everything is just so much better and i had so much more fun with this than the, the saturn version i can but, appreciate the saturn for what it was and how cool it was uh how the sound was everything about it but this is just in my opinion i i you should just never play the original play this instead so i mean we'll get it well i i, I actually i'm sorry for like steamrolling or like doing a uh, i have an agenda okay and we're gonna get through every single aspect of this remake whether you like it or not I will okay. say the one last thing about the graphical upgrades that actually was a detriment to me was, due, like, due to the fact that the graphical upgrades were so good, it kind of, like, led me to realize what was lacking in the original game. I felt this game was more barren than than the original game. Like, honestly, oh, yeah, I felt definitely. like in, in, in times the Saturn version was cramped, and that's due to the fact that, like, I don't know what the Saturn dimensions were, but I was playing on a tiny-ass screen. I didn't full-screen or anything. Well, yeah, that we, we both had to, um, yeah. and that, that leads me to my opinion of, like, everything was, like, really hard to tell what was going on. Uh, you just kind of had to move around versus, like, everything is, like, explicitly in its place. Um, the enemies, you can tell exactly where they are and what they're doing and what their intentions are in this, which leads it to be a bit easier. But yeah, it is actually quite barren of a game. Yeah, and I, I actually, I genuinely don't think that's necessarily the fault of this game. I think it's the fault of them trying to make a relatively faithful remake of the original game. That being said, I, I, I feel like the advantages from the graphical perspective, especially like just like at telling the lore, like the cutscenes, especially like the actual graphical capabilities, tell a story versus like I don't. I'm looking at blocks. That's what I felt like I was looking at, like yeah, the yeah. Saturn version. And therefore, I feel like someone who's unbiased, like someone who doesn't care about retro graphics, may actually enjoy this version a lot more from a graphical perspective than the previous. Oh, I, I love retro games, but I enjoyed this so much more. You can see I'm wearing glasses. I don't have the best eyesight in the world. Literally, when we're playing the Saturn version, it's all blocky. We're looking at that little screen i can't tell what's coming at me and why most of the time versus this is is all explicit i know exactly what's going on i know exactly like i feel more in control of myself because of my uh impairment so i enjoyed this a lot 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 more i actually 100 okay. of this game i 100 percent got every single achievement well i mean first in of all under I will, two I will, hours i will say that like the achievements in this game were pretty silly. Like you had an yeah. achievement for turning on the game. It's like okay, thank yeah. you, thank you for this bullshit achievement. Like honestly, I literally too got much everything in two playthroughs. You just played it once, and then like the other achievement was like play through a level without killing a s- single enemy. Oh and my then, god! Uh, another one was like fuck without uh, using any lock on. You had to beat the entire game without oh any lock on. Oh my god! Jesus, I couldn't do that. Which one. actually, it was pretty easy. Did you play it on easy or did you play it on normal? So I beat it originally on normal. And then did you do the one where you couldn't use lockdown on easy, or did you also do it on normal? So I so I did that. I cheated for that one. I used God Mode. Okay. I didn't realize God Mode was still in this one. But yeah, so I, I want to say that like the graphics were definitely an upgrade, but what did you think about the sound? Mr. Mr. Sound D. It's identical. It's, it's, it's literally identical. Yeah. It is the identical, like, same, like, everything, like, the like, talk that everyone does to, like, the sound, to the music. Um, I noticed that first in the cutscene before the first level where the tower speaks. I'm like, I this is extremely familiar. The funny thing is, like, they downgraded the menu sounds. I was super into, like, the douche. 
from the menu yeah. sounds. They they whatever. Who cares? That's not really important. But like, I was surprised. Like, it didn't necessarily discount this remake. It just elevated how good the sound capabilities on the Saturn were. Like that, it, it, it's unreal. Like this, yeah. this sounded like the sound sounded like it belonged in a modern game that's how good the sound from the original game and that's like why i want to go back to like how much i was gushing over it like when we played the original it's it, it's un unreal how good it was yeah so i like i i honestly didn't appreciate the sound as much as i feel like i should have but playing this version of the game and like using the same sound and the fact that the same sound worked I was I was genuinely enjoying it, like, uh, and I I just looked back on the experience, and maybe I I felt like I wasn't necessarily harsh on it, but I didn't appreciate the sound of the previous version of the game as much as I should have. But I mean, that being said, let's get into the the meat and potatoes for this remake. Like, does this game actually play in an enjoyable fashion? So, oh I, yeah, I personally I didn't enjoy it as much. I felt like. Due to the fact that, like, this was a remake and, like, it was more barren. And to be fair, I played on the modern controller scheme. I don't know what you did. There was a classic and modern version. Did you I just the... played what I just played whatever is default. The default is classic, and maybe I ruined this for myself. Basically, I made it so R triggers lock on and L triggers, like, shoot. Like, I was, I was, no, trig- I, 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 I just did default. Okay, so I I felt like Trigger, I, I would try their version of modern controls, and maybe that made it worse for me, but I, I just felt. And maybe it was due to the fact, I mentioned, like, this was a bad pick due to the similarity from game to game. I do think there's an important, like, distinction from remake to original game and the fact that we had relatively different experiences. You had a more positive experience with this version and I had a more positive experience with the previous version. Like, it actually brings the question of remake versus, like, original game. Well, it's like I couldn't even beat the original one because of, like, too much clutter on the screen. But with this, like, I literally, like... I went 100% of the game in two hours. Like, I beat the game in just one sitting. Just I died once on the fourth level boss, and then I just one-tried everything. Um, I actually have a screenshot of my how well I did. I got sharpshooter. I got almost 90% accuracy uh, throughout the entire game. Well, goddamn. You got a rail shooter gamer in the making but but no i i i genuinely feel like from that conversation aspect it wasn't that bad of a choice but i i honestly felt fatigue when i played this game and i'm not saying i'm really? burned out from the podcast i was just like i just played this like maybe i'm not just not into rail shooters but like the the experience was so similar from it was game completely to game. different for me i guess i like i don't know i i, I guess i didn't really have it issues with the initial game that like when i played this game the experience felt so similar that i was like kind of just like why why did i pick this like i i didn't really get anything out of it versus you who didn't really enjoy the original game due to the limitations not to say you, you oh, enjoyed no, the I original en- game i enjoyed the original it just be i couldn't get very far due to uh limitations of my own self i guess and this is just literally just dialed everything up a notch to make literally 100 percent aspects of the game to me anyways better and more enjoyable from a flat gameplay perspective okay i mean maybe it was just a bad choice on my end and that like it wasn't right for me but i feel like yeah, you it fucking was idiot right for the podcast i guess i'm a fucking idiot jesus Christ. i had fun if you want to play panzer dragoon this is in my opinion the definitive version uh, that you should play an experience because maybe it's because I didn't like the original as much because uh, emulation we emulated it because of emulation maybe made it look or run like a certain way. Um, 
I, I just, I have very bad vision at points for certain things. So just being able to see and know what I'm doing and just better all around controls and everything made this a, uh, definitely one of my favorite games. I actually really, really had a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but like, we're going to get into price in a second, but I just want to actually talk about platforms. So this is a game that's been on many platforms. You played it on PC. I also played it on PC, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's value in playing this game on the Switch? Do you wish you had this on the Switch? Hypothetically, no. if cost wasn't an option, you you think that this game doesn't matter if you play it portably? No. Okay. I I, I, I I want to. Okay. Oh yeah. I I guess from a perspective of like you actually this game this game actually like goes to like 8K. Like I was looking at the resolution options. You could go like yeah, like 35, 60 like, to like I I don't want to run this at like four FPS on the Switch. That's fair. Like I, I actually did genuinely enjoy like the graphics from like a I have I have a fourteen forty p monitor. It's not like the best yeah, out there, but too. like it looks good. And and like yeah, it has a good refresh rate. But like, do you want to know like my initial reason for picking Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon Remake? Was that okay? There was the aspect that I played Panzer Dragoon like on my friend's Saturn, but like it still wasn't on my podcast map. Do you remember uh, back in the day? So we both had YouTube Premium at one point, and you, they were offering because Stadia was failing free Google Stadia and a controller. Oh, that's right. You played it; and it was unplayable, right? Yeah, they offered a free Stadia controller and three months of Stadia. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm honestly a naysayer with most of these things, but at the same time. I will try Stadia. And this game specifically was originally released on Stadia exclusive. And I was like, you know what? I'll use my Stadia controller. I'll try I'm still my using best. It. I'll try like, my this best. Is, this to is enjoy. my controller okay. I use yeah, for no, playing games. Legitimately, okay. Uh, it's amazing. I, yeah, it's a really good controller, honestly. I, I think that the Xbox One controller and Xbox Series X controller are a little bit better. To be fair, yeah, but I they're feel- like $90. I mean, yeah, free versus, like, for what you get, like, the price of free is very good for the Stadia controller. I, I don't think it's worth the same price as, like, an Xbox Series X controller or anything like that, but, like, what are you going to do, compete with $100 million R&D from Microsoft? Like, I don't I don't know. Yeah, like, I guess I don't have a comparison because I was using, like, a PS2 hooked up to, like, a USB with, like, horrible latency before, so it's like... But, yeah, I tried, the only time I ever played Google Stadia was I tried to play Panzer Dragoon Remake because I had actually recently played Panzer Dragoon with my friend James, and I tried to play it. It was laggy as shit. Like, I have good connection. I have I had fiber connection, yeah. gigabyte up, gigabyte down at that point. The game just basically wouldn't work. I was like, this is the worst service ever. I'm never playing Stadia again. Fuck Stadia. Still going to say that. The best platform to play this on is probably Steam. But I can see it being okay if it doesn't have performance issues on Switch. That being said, I do think that this game is a little bit too expensive on, on oh, uh, Steam. I, I absolutely I mean, um, the game is like $25. I, said, I literally 100%ed every single achievement in under two hours. I mean, that honestly is pretty ridiculous for a $25 game. But is it? Is it like honestly a $25 experience? Would you rather have this game at $25 or Gorogoa at 15 It's honestly a tough <sighs> choice. Fuck. Look, I, I, I enjoyed Gorogoa much more than I enjoyed this. But this game has replay, replayability and it has also the fact that, like, this game. Looks I don't have way replayability better. for it anymore because I 100%ed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, 
hypothetically a game like this like has an arcade type value where you could try to yeah increase yeah your this score. is this is a fun this is something that you can actually play again yeah yeah, yeah. gorgoa once you do once you can never play again yeah like this game actually has replayability uh, outside of achievement. i think it's like apples to oranges like you can make arguments and like for both but i, I think due to the fact that like, this game actually has legitimate graphics like this game was made by a legitimate team like this game probably is worth somewhere in the 20 to 25 I, I, got range. For, I got it for 15 dollars on sale though so yeah so i think that's fine but i want what i want to go into is that like i'm not sure how big of a panzer dragoon fan you are like i've kind of i've forced you to become a panzer dragoon fan at this point because i've made you play the same game twice in two weeks not to say that like i am i wouldn't mind playing the other ones like if they do a remake of any of the other games i would absolutely play them. no I no just, so I'm, i feel like 2022 they're making panzer dragoon 2 Zway which is like the second, it's the sequel to this game. It's a rail shooter. There's a lot of games in the Panzer Dragoon series and like many of them are not rail shooters, but like Panzer Dragoon 1 and 2, aka Panzer Dragoon's Way, they're remaking that game at the same price point that's going to be released next year. I honestly think like, obviously this game is like, it feels a little weird to complete it 100% in two hours and like for $25, you're like, eh. But I feel like even if it's the same experience, because Panzer Dragoon's way is actually easier than the original Panzer Dragoon. Maybe they won't alter it as much because of that. If they release both games for $50, I feel like I would have a better experience than if they released each individual one at $25. Oh, like uh, They'll probably have a bundle where you can buy both of them for like 40 bucks or like 35 or something like that. No, but like even if it was double the price, even if you got both games for 50 bucks, I feel like that would be a more complete package than $25 for one. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if they, yeah, yeah, yeah. If because you're, release you're, you're, I feel like you're getting so much and we're used to paying $60 for a game anyways. I'm, I'm excited for it. I actually would hope we play it when it comes to it. I actually wouldn't mind playing the RPG as well because I hear it's it rivals the final fantasies i told you that i said those words to you i am your teacher i'm your master i'm your leader teach me teach me sir no but like this is a at least you didn't say teach me daddy okay i i did do a lot of research and like a lot of like the hardcore you know panzer heads that's what they'd be called um they they all say that this game is significantly easier than the saturn version well i mean like i don't know as someone who would like i enjoyed the saturn version more but I don't necessarily regret paying full price for this game. It is a very short game. I'll say that much. But I don't necessarily think it was unjustified in the it. price. Just due to the fact that like this game actually has a lot of... you like Hypothetically, if you paid $60 for an hour video game, but like you could tell that the amount of time for that hour of gameplay... Well, it's different because back then like that was expected because like that's what games were. It was like an experience. It's like an experience. It's like a movie, you know? It, it, it's You're not just playing for like quantity. You're playing for quality. No, but what I'm saying is like hypothetically, if there was like a game that like you could literally tell was the same amount of effort from a dev team that was an hour to beat versus like a 40-hour game sure hypothetically if you're going for most bang for your buck you would pick the 40-hour game but like i'm I'm just trying to say that like in a world where gameplay or uh playtime doesn't necessarily equate to value like this game definitely is worth 25 dollars from an effort standpoint i feel like they did from an effort standing yeah this game could probably be like 15 bucks though yep i i think like that's just how it is like it will go to 15 dollars eventually and i feel like a bunch of people are gonna buy it for that reason but it did a very good job of what it tried to set out to do. Panzer Dragoon Remake, literally in the title, it is a one-for-one -one remake of this game with an option for modern controls. 
The only gameplay gripe I have that I never got to mention is that I felt like the crosshairs kind of got in the way. It has like this like triple square crosshair, and like I felt like it honestly like kind of muddled up the uh, the place. It was so much. It, I actually liked it a lot because I couldn't use it in the original game. It didn't work very well, but in this, it like was like one to one, so I could actually like aim and, and like stuff like that on my controller. So I liked it. Also, I feel like the theatrics in the original game were they they also improved level to level, but I felt like just due to the fact that they tried to one to one recreate this game. The first level in the remake kind of feels barren compared to the rest. I'm not saying that the rest of them don't feel barren. Oh yeah, but like the first level kind of honestly sucks in comparison. Well, that's to the rest. also that's uh, I I completely agree. That is probably because uh, in the original game, like the backgrounds kind of like come in, so it's like it, it you don't see it all at once. Versus in this game, you see everything at once. Um, so it's like you can really see the scope of how barren everything is versus in the original game. You constantly have things like coming into the screen. Because you can't see the background, um, which maybe uh, gives you that feel of it being bigger than it really is. Also, like, legitimately, tell me if I'm insane. Like, I don't remember this on the original game. Were you able to move when you were facing a different direction in the original game and you aren't able to do that here? You're only able to change the direction when you're facing forward on this game? You have no, uh, you have no idea what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, I, 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 I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember. I, I don't think you could when move in the original. I might be. Cr- I, I I felt like I could do that in the original game, but like I could just be wrong. I could have just. Not I feel moved. like I, I was able. I feel like I was moving like when I was in other directions, though. Yeah, I was. I was actually definitely moving in other directions. So I think so, you just picked like ridiculous controls for some reason. So okay, no, because I actually saw Steam reviews that were saying okay, maybe on the modern controls you're not able to, but uh, there is an aspect of this game where it is a um, you you can move in a two D space on a three D plane. It's two point five D in that way. But you're able to move from 3D plane to 3D plane. You're basically able to turn 90 degrees and then move in that plane. But for some reason, unless you're facing forward in this game, you're unable to move on the modern controls. Dana is saying that's not the case. Maybe it is the case. Meh. I had an issue. Play this game. It's fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Next up, Dana's going to pick Knight's Remake, and we're going to have a fun no. time only doing games and then their remakes. That's the so rest I of the podcast. Have, I actually have two games coming up. So I actually was going to play one game, which because I beat this game so fast, I actually bought it and started playing it because I was going to that be my game for uh, next week. But now that other things are coming out and then there are games that we need to finish, it's just like, I don't know what to do now. So there'll be a topic for after the podcast. I guess. And you guys will have to wonder what we're talking about. Maybe you'll be able to wait. Who knows? Maybe he's a patient gamer. What I will say, the last thing I want to say, and I know this is kind of unrelated to Panzer Dragoon, but like on the topic of the Knights, I just got to say, stop. Is there really a Knights remake? There is. It's on Steam. I, I legitimately thought about buying it. It's like under $10. It it looks okay and it has What if that was my positive, game choice? Then okay. I, I'll I pick this one. You could pick that one. I what I no. will say is that the world has to stop with fucking knights porn, not porn, but like weirdly drawn art. characters. Yeah, art. That's a good way to put it. I mean, that's just like offensive. that's just like any video game art in general. It's like a kid sleeping with a soccer ball. It's like, what does this have to do with knights? It's just creepy. Yeah, it's legitimate. Like, it, there's that one art style where they where they look like they were drawn by like. You know, it's it's like extremely low quality humans, but you could tell they're human. Okay, so I just looked at this picture that you I, I like saw it but I never like looked at it. Epic wedgie. Like I'm scared. This is like this is like Chris Chan Sonic Chew levels of cringe. 
legitimately, I've I haven't cringed as hard as I've cringed at some of this knight's artwork in a very long time, like very long time. And you're the cringe master. I'm the cringe lord. And then the second thing I will say is that I saw an article speaking of cringe. That okay, let me let me see if I can find this actually. Let me see if I can find this actually. Nights into dreams is too brutally difficult to overcome nostalgia. Is this person serious? From games or sorry, venturebeat.com, their subs. You have to realize all these people fucking suck dick at games. You remember yeah. when they do were doing Cuphead and they couldn't beat the fucking tutorial because they didn't listen? I was looking at this review and like sure. I, I don't necessarily know if the Knights into Dreams remake is harder than the original. Somehow I doubt it. Every single time we played a retro game remake, they make so much effort to make the game easier rather than harder. However, what yeah. I will say is that the original Knights was extremely easy to beat. You just had to like get through one or two just frustrating bosses and you could get it. So when I see an, a sentiment that Knights into Dreams is too brutally difficult. Wait, brutally, what's difficult about this game? You have like difficult. infinite you have like infinite tries to like do it. You like even if you run out of time, you just run around on the ground and just jump back. like I don't even know if it's possible to die. I have to be... I've been reading this article right now. I have to be honest and say I sincerely dislike the game. I've never played the original, so I have no memory of its potential greatness. Why did you make this article? Holy shit. This Can game is not difficult. Me? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just got so upset reading that. I'm like, okay, I kind of have to buy the game in spite the fact that this person in 2012 struggled with Nights into Dreams. This is so stupid. I just can't believe they struggled with Nights. I one-shotted most of Nights. The only reason why I got Ds on certain levels is because I genuinely didn't understand the scoring system. And once I actually read on it, I immediately figured it out and then beat those levels as soon as possible. It's insane that anyone would have this the, this delusion that Nights into Dreams is difficult. I've never struggled to beat the game. In fact, one of my complaints about the original game was too easy. I can't believe this is an opinion that was made and published. So I, I kind of just skimmed through the article. He's basing it on like the what you have to do to like unlock like the full game and like actually beat it. Because you do have to get like like A's on fucking everything. Don't you don't. You? you have to get C's. C's. Okay, then yeah, that's that's stupid. Yeah, I had to re replay every maybe single level twice. Maybe we're just god gamers. I mean, I was a god gamer apparently for beating Panzer Dragoon in a slight period. But anyway, taking down Rob Lefebvre. Lefebvre? I don't know how to say his last name. I'm not going to dox him this too is hard. An, this is an anti-Rob Lefebvre podcast. I'm not going to go that far. I just want to say that he's probably not great at nights. Like, I'll have you go. you've seen that you've seen that video of like the Cuphead review, right? Yeah, of course. That's it's like ten out of ten. The thing is, I actually genuinely know someone who got into game journalism, and they're a nice person. So, like, I I hate trashing on devs, but this is the shittiest opinion I've ever seen. GameStop actually gives really good trade-ins for games right now. Like um, what? Like two hundred dollars? Well, so it's like because Nintendo <laughs> games never lower in price. Like all their like all the trade-in values for like all their games are like. $33. GameStop? I mean, I don't know how legal this would have been, but, like, imagine if GameStop was like, you know what? For your, like, back in the GameCube era, we'll give you one stock. One one piece <laughs> of GME for your game. Okay, that actually would have been insane. Yeah. I feel but like... it's like, like, $33 for Super Mario uh, and Sonic at the Olympics. That seems pretty good to me. 
that's good i mean like honestly i feel like that game was definitely not worth as much money as we paid for it but like i i enjoy the shit out of i think Mario it was because of how much fun we had playing we had a lot of fun but like objectively when i compare that to other like death stranding for 60 dollars versus like mario and sonic at the olympic games for like one is an artistic masterpiece yeah. obviously there's people who hate death stranding but like the scope of the game yeah like, obviously mario and sonic is higher we gotta argue though do we have more fun with mario and sonic or death stranding you beat death stranding but it's like i I I beat mario and sonic yeah so i mean it's about the same you know apples oranges basically to be fair like of every single game i played on the podcast that i haven't beaten the one game that i want to return to like the most is death stranding so i feel like that is a significant it's not death stranding i want to i want to the thing is like i will have to beat uh psychonauts when we do inevitably play psychonauts 2 in the podcast i feel like psychonauts for some reason is like our most psychonauts 2 is out what yeah hypothetically if i was gonna buy a game or sell a game on trade-in i would probably would pick death stranding over mario and sonic Olympic games but like (laughs) i feel like we don't own it, and that's... Uh, no, I actually do. I have the physical copy on, on Switch, I think. But, like, that's going to be a collector's item, not just due to the fact that, like, the game is, like, a good game, but, like, the fact that it's the 2020 Olympics when the 2021 Olympics were the thing. Like, there aren't that yeah. much... There isn't that much 2020 Olympic merch out there. That's, like, a full blemish on the 2021 Olympics. And it's is, Sonic and Mario, so it's gamer. Yeah, it's gamer. Sonic's a gamer. Eggman's a gamer. Eggman sucked. Eggman sucks so yeah, much Egg- Egg- at that Olympics. If <laughs> he's like, he Egg- fucks up everybody and yeah. everyone. Yeah. If and then he can't get back himself. I don't even know what happened with that game. Like, I don't know what the thrilling conclusion was. Maybe he's like stuck in the past and like is just like forever living in torment. I'm never gonna spoil it for you. Okay. The story is too insane. One last thing. Legitimately, that game has some of the best music in the retro soundtrack I've ever heard. It's but- so good. No, but the thing is. <laughs> None of these are ripped on YouTube because no one gives a shit about Sonic at the Olympics of 2020. So, like, I can't find the music. And the songs, you cannot play them on the Switch. And, like, there's no jukebox mode. And, like, they only play, like, four hours into the campaign. And they don't play again. So, like, I can't do it. I can't find these songs and I'm actually frustrated. Like, you're you're, you're not just going to play it just to, like, how would you even rip it from that and stuff like that? It, it's like a 1700s dude. He's like, he's like, oh, I just. I mean, you could I probably like. Bo- there's software where you can like data mine it and like, like probably extract it from like the actual game. But yeah, but I'm not gonna hack a switch cartridge in order to hear the song. It's kind of like, um, if you ever like a dude from the 1700s who was like lucky enough to get like a Bach ticket or like whatever the historical uh time period Bach was in. It's like I heard this dope Bach song. I don't have a boom <laughs> box. I don't have any means to play it again. It's in my head. I will literally never hear this again unless I do massive steps to recreate it. Like I can't believe anyone who listened to music that was like string produced or like non vocal. They must have had a rough. You think th- they're like you know that song that was like people be like yeah I love that song. I I feel like people would be like, no, I don't know that song because I'm not rich unlike you. Like, only, like, a couple people heard music (laughs) back in the day. I say that with literally no historical research, but... Do you think they're like, oh, motherfucker, that's my jam, but, like, in less slangy terms? I think they were saying, oh, motherfucker, this is my jam. What else is do? But uh, I'm actually really upset right now because I don't know where my Super Nintendo games are. It's actually, like, all my expensive ones. 
So what are you uh, talking about? You you told me that you have multiple games worth thousands of dollars. Oh no, it's like the games are like total like worth it and oh, stuff like that. Oh okay, yeah. So you fi- yeah, yeah, yeah you finally figured out that like people started retro gaming during the pandemic was pretty much a mirror of like maybe a less extreme mirror of the trading card game like frenzy like so yeah. many retro games during the pandemic just went absolutely nuts in terms of price. I'm actually getting concerned because like I have a goal. At one point to get all the Super Nintendo games. I know that's like 745 games. And like even two years ago, the price of that would be like $20,000. But now it's going to be like some shitty like Super Mario World is going to be a hundred bucks soon. I'm scared. The difference is, is that um, the video game market is absolutely being manipulated by a few parties. True. Uh, I think we've talked about this before. And I think you saw the did you watch that Carl Jobs video or no? I did not watch that video at all, even though I'm like, hey, it explains the whole entire situation. (laughs) Hey, I found this cool treat. Can you do research? I won't do any research. And you showed me this cool video to do research. But I'm like, nah. Oh, I'm I'm just uncooperative entirely. It, it, it's like literally like a whole fucking thing. So so the um, thing is, I I know what the the subject is talking about because I saw it in the news. I didn't realize they were connected. So for those who have no idea what we're talking about, which why should you? Um, basically, Super Mario Bros. I think it was sold for like a hundred thousand dollars or something. And then Super Mario sixty four sold for like a million dollars. I don't know like the exact million. numbers. It was, it was like it was like it was like in yeah the. The seven digits and so on and so forth. Um, but the problem is, if you look at who's buying it, it's not collectors; it's investors. And then, if you track these investors back to the roots, um, you notice that they all have ties with the people who run the auctioning heritage auctions. So um, you are basically accusing them of the same thing as PWCC from last week: shill bidding. No, well, so no, it, 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 it's worse than that. So. I really wish you watched that video. Um, How dare so, you ask so, me to so, watch a video okay. for the purpose of this podcast? Rewind, everyth- rewind everything back to the very beginning. So this what happened is... This video is 52 minutes long. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's a fa- that's why I said watch it like in the background where you're like doing other shit. It's like super passive. It's like a really... It's probably one of the best videos I've seen so all I could, year. So I could say like, oh, I... I watched it, but I barely understood what it was talking about. Like slightly better than no, what I'm no, currently no. saying. It, no, it, it's like... <laughs> It's literally like it goes so deep. It's actually insane. I'm gonna start. Fraud, I'm gonna do my best. Deception exposed. I'm just looking at shut this the title. F- okay, I'm shut the looking fuck at the up. title. It's a YouTube title. It's let funny. me let me let me start from the very beginning. So if I'm not mistaken, back in 2017, a company came out of nowhere called Wada Games, and they started grading games. Now the problem with that is that prior to that, there was VGA. Uh, which is a company that did video game grading, which, you know, you send in a game, they look at the corners, look at everything, how sealed it is, blah, 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 and give it a grade. And I think they've been around since like 2004 or something like that. So what happened was, is prior to even WADA even coming out, Heritage Auction, one of the largest auction websites on the internet, started promoting WADA games, uh, saying things like, this is the premier place to do uh, grading, we're having an exclusive contract, we're going to start doing games on Heritage Auctions. Um, and if you look at some of the, the what's it called, the members and uh, high-end executives of Water Games, you'll find that they have ties to, to Heritage Auctions. So okay. the issue com- comes about where since um, Heritage Auctions already has like this prestige in the auction community for collectibles, whether it's coins, paintings, whatever, um, that they have full run to promote the shit out of Wada. So every single interview... 
all these articles, you know, Vice, Rolling Stone, they're all going to WADA because they think they are the premier grading and video game authority on condition for games and stuff like that. Now, the issue arises where if you start looking at some of these auctions for these items that WADA is putting up on Heritage Auctions, for one, you could look, they'll say like A-plus rating, best possible rating. There's like literal vis- visual holes on them. There's all these problems and stuff like that. And then if you look at the people who are buying it, you can actually go through everything, uh, the, what's the FCC filing or something like that, SEC, something like that, and see who's buying this stuff. And they'll it'll be linked to an LLC that is linked to other members of Heritage Auctions. So what they are doing right now is they are manipulating the market to make people think that their games are worth more than they really are. Um, you had mentioned earlier that this parallels the what happened with uh, trading cards, and I will argue it's completely different. Because the difference with trading cards is that you know how many of a certain grade is out there. It's called a population report. So you know how many 10s there are, how many 9s there are, how many 8s there are. The problem with WADA games is they don't have any population reports. So they're putting these games up when there could be 30 other ones out there, uh, but they refuse to put out that information. Uh, a great example is Spider-Man for the Atari. This game, I think, sold for like $30,000, a 9.8, like perfect grade or whatever. Suddenly, like the two days later after that sold, uh, it was like 50 or 60 more were posted all on Heritage Auctions, and then I think the last sold is $800. Um, so it, it, it's a really scary situation uh, that they're they're arguably manipulating the market to make these game prices go up. Well, I feel like I just made you do a video essay on the spot. I'm sorry for making you speak for like seven minutes straight. Dude, I th- this is like 10% of what happened. Okay, well... What's the other 90%? I'm putting you actually on the spot now. Give me the entire <laughs> history of Wada Games and, and where... It's not just that. Uh, I guess I'll just do a little summarize of the, the more important points. So like I said, mentioned earlier, it's not collectors buying these items. Um, it's investors. Now, uh, this guy uh, was a dentist. He spent like a million dollars on sealed games and stuff like that. And what you can do, uh, you'll start seeing all these Vice articles, all these Rolling Stone articles saying, like, this is the this is the pinnacle of collecting. This guy is the biggest collector on the planet. I, I remember uh, articles that were, like, the most expensive video game ever sold on the market on eBay three days ago. Like, it's – yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's, like, the pinnacle of collecting, but, like, they're, they're legitimizing the prices for these games. Well, it's not just the game itself. It's this, this one guy that started buying them, and then uh, they're, they're claiming he's the number one collector. He's, like, the biggest authority or whatever. And it turns out, like, he even says it himself. He's like, I don't know anything about video games. This is, like, the, just the biggest boon, the next thing to invest in and spend money on. Uh, he has no – care about any of these games or anything like that but suddenly you know all these articles all these um uh interviews all these videos all claiming that these people are like the biggest collectors they know the most about it and the the biggest problem i see is that wada games and heritage auctions are saying oh oh, these games are worth so much more they're worth so much more so much more which to me is a huge conflict of interest you shouldn't be claiming things are worth more than what they're selling for you know that's not what you're there for i mean yeah first of all like i'm I'm not gonna come i this guy's a piece of shit. He's manipulating the market entirely. But I'm not going to disagree with him and say that video game retro collecting is not like the next Pokemon trading card game. I think especially as we get into like disc rot and like uh, what is the other type of rot. Basically, as games stop working, working copies of games I think are going to actually be like a 
big collector's item to the point where like i feel like like have you ever seen the price disparity between a copy of pokemon gold or silver with a working battery and a non-working yep. battery it's, well you can you can replace the battery no like, that, that's the crazy thing is that the cost to replace the battery in a non-working copy is significantly less than a working copy goes for one because i feel like a lot of people that are buying these out of nostalgia don't have the skills and also don't have the interest in repairing it but two the people who are trying to buy these games that are working there is a weird idea in that like eventually no copies of these games are going to be working so like the idea of getting a working copy like even if you buy a working copy now it's probably going to stop working in the next like 10 years or so but like the idea of having a working copy that hasn't been altered is like weirdly valued i feel like because of that dichotomy that like you already see in like Pokemon, I, I hate to bring this back to Pokemon, but I'm just thinking of like that's that's the main example when I think of like battery based games that like you really need a yeah, save yeah, file yeah. for that people Everyone's actually care about. Any game that has a save file, everyone always talks about Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So I I feel like that is actually going to come up in the next couple of years. Plus the fact that like with scarcity, like copies are not getting increased over time. Like eventually, like. Every single SNES game is going to be worth some amount of dollars, like oh, even absolutely. the more more rare ones, or even the less rare ones. So, like, I I think that like where this is coming from, the valuation of uh, SNES games is it's it's gonna be an inevitability. This company is obviously doing it the wrong way. They're obviously doing this in a corrupt so way. So the the problem though is that we're in a huge bubble right now because the people that are buying these sealed and good condition games out right now. It's like 5% collectors and 95% investors. And then they're buying them, they're slabbing them, which is called grading, and no one is buying them. They're just sitting and sitting and lowering in price. So there's a huge problem that happened in trading cards like five, six years ago where everyone uh, was buying, buying, buying. Uh, investors were buying. People weren't, like collectors weren't buying them. So they sat, they sat, and then, so it's theorized that this is a huge bubble because what's going to happen is these investors are all going to drop out at once when they realize their stuff isn't selling and everything's going to crash. I think that the prices are artificially inflated, and if you are trying to sell stuff, now is the time to do it because everything's going to crash once we realize um, these games aren't worth as much as a million dollars. <laughs> okay, so obviously they're not worth as much as a million dollars, but like the funny thing is to me, and I'm going to sound like a massive idiot but like it goes against my fundamental principle in game collecting and that like this doesn't happen but like hypothetically even if you have a sealed um what's what's the main grading industry for pokemon cards psa or bg yeah psa that's what i was thinking of if you have a sealed psa 10 charizard card you could still be like playing pokemon tcg and just like bust out your psa 10 and use that well, on the you battlefield couldn't, you couldn't why not couldn't. well because like so the whole po- do you know how, like in Hearthstone? Imagine if you knew what every single card was face oh, down. Oh, okay. Uh, so hypothetically, if you had all uh, entire PSA ten deck, you'd still be able to to play with all your PSA ten cards, right? So the back of them has barcodes, which you'd be able to Fuck. use to tell which card. Okay, it is. no, but like you're busting out a barcode. Well, no, the game. but like you would just have to me- you would just have to memorize like the first four numbers. Like, all right, the first four numbers is four six eight. I know that's my Charizard. Okay, well you're ruining my argument here. Anyway, they're still like. You can't physically put a cartridge of a game that is, like, sealed in a plastic case into the SNES and actually play it, or N64, whatever. And therefore, like, I feel like a... So, the fundamental difference between the TCG market and the retro gaming market, at least right now, is I feel like the vast majority of people who are doing retro video game collecting will at some point put the game in the cartridge slot. 
And yes, they might not actually play it, but I know every single time I buy a game over $100, I literally film myself opening the game, like from the from the actual packaging, put the game in my SNES and make sure it actually, or sorry, I literally unscrew it, make sure that the actual cartridge, because many people literally yeah. use clone carts, and I make sure that it's actually the PCB that you're expecting, and then I put the game in and make sure that it's actually working. And I've actually, what I bought... Castlevania Drac X. I got a fake copy. I and I actually like used that video evidence to like return the game, and I actually got the seller banned on eBay, which is great. But people aren't doing that for TCG. They're doing that because they want to look at the card, and they can do that in the packaging. I don't know anyone who really wants to look at a at a cartridge. The thing is, like people buy CIB all the time. I don't. I there's a significant difference though between CIB and new. I feel like most people in the retro gaming community understand that new means nothing because plastic covering or plastic casing so will be placed what you, on something. What you are doing is that you're equating people who collect as a hobby versus casual people who see this stuff and go, wait. My this sealed game went for a million dollars. Maybe my games are worth a lot of money. I need to buy this. People are literally going on um, eBay and just posting loose copies of Mario sixty four for five hundred to six hundred dollars. When you can literally go and buy copies for twenty dollars, and they are selling because these people who don't know anything about grading or buying or anything just see these headlines, which is basically what these this company is trying to do to make all these games go up in prices. Well, fuck them. Those people are idiots. I mean, if if, if, the thing is, they're idiots that like are. The people who are buying them are idiots because uh, they're they're just speculating. But I feel like yeah, the, the, there's yeah, a but fundamental. That's most, of the pe- that's most of the people buying right no, now. No, but what, what I'm saying is like yeah, of course it's a bubble because the actual retro game market works differently than the trading card market, and like people don't realize that the retro gaming market is mainly people who want to at least put the game in the actual card. I guess I guess these are loose. I would argue loose. right now that's not the case. Well. It's all publicly available information to see, like, who's buying and selling stuff, and you can see, like, the vast majority of people. Like, there's even, like, hedge funds that have um, uh, stake in these companies who buy expensive collectibles uh, as an investment piece. Um, Then why is is Lightspan Adventures on PlayStation going for $8, huh? It's it's, shut the fuck up. I hate you so much. I really (laughs) wish you watched this video. God damn. Okay. No, I understand what you're saying. Uh, First of all, I think Carl Jobs is he's a good videographer, but like I disagree with a lot of his main points. I I actually thought his dream video was good. It's not main. It's not even points. It's all like factual information that goes back to like I. I'm telling you, I think that there is a 100% fundamental difference between the retro game collecting and trading card collecting, based on my experience as a retro game collector. Not to say that these games aren't going to go up in price, but I think that the fundamental value is placed on the fact that this is a game. I think that once we have non-working copies of all these games, there's going to be a massive just like drop in price because people actually care about a working cartridge. There's a difference between a Pokemon card and a retro video game and that eventually the PCB is going to rot inside the retro video game. And once you can't play the retro video game, it's going to be worthless. Sure, there are going to be copies that will persist through time because they're going to be placed in like completely humid, humidified less rooms. Well, it's the same thing with Pokemon cards, though. Those things don't last forever. I would argue that a Pokemon card in ideal condition would last longer than BitRot will be able to. Eh, Maybe not. But I I also think that, like, the effects of BitRot are much more apparent on a video game than the effects of literal humidity rot on a card. You could play a card that is, like, 75%. I, I, I don't know the actual rules, but I feel like 
as soon as a card is like literally not visible in name and picture, then you stop using it. Similar to no, how money. No, 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 no. It, it's significantly before that because the sle- the card needs to be completely flat, and as soon as any hydration bumps or anything, any sort of whitening, anything, it's completely removed from being able to be used in any sort of uh, playable fashion. That's stupid, then that's honestly. E- well, but then you can tell what card it is. Like, oh, my this card's slightly warped on the corner. I know that's my good card. All right, when I sh- oh, shuffle okay. everything. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. But I don't know. It's still like a Pokemon card. I'm saying like there's a fundamental difference in that like the wrong bit gets warped. Your game is completely destroyed. Like versus sure at the corner is bent on this one card. Therefore, it's not able to be used in competitive play. I feel like there's a fundamental difference as a collector versus a non-working game. You literally just have the shell versus a minor visual impairment that can that like removes it from competitive play. The problem right now is the vast majority of games going out of circulation, they're going to places where they're not being played. Like my collect like how many times do you play your games? You don't really play them. You use your EverDriver. The, use the your, whole um, point I'm saying though is that there's a significant difference between buying a game that is unplayable and buying a game that is playable. Being playable is part of the value. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, it, it, doesn't it, it, it straight up doesn't matter that like the game is something that you're not going to play. If you are trying to buy a copy of like hypothetically a copy of uh, what is it? What is it? Arrow. Well, then why Arrow would these Pilots. games sell for a million dollars if they're unplayable? They're not. That's the thing. But they will be eventually. Hypothetically, that million dollar copy of Super Mario 64 in the same condition over the course of time just somehow succumbs to bit rot. And even though this is a new copy based on the conditions that it was put in, like even though the box works well, it's dirty enough that when you put it in, it doesn't load up Super Mario 64. What's the value of that game? Well, it, it will like the nine. T- I, I I could almost bet my life that game will never be played ever. It's going to be encapsulated for the rest of its entire existence. I understood that, but hypothetically, if you knew that that game didn't work, what's the value of it? Exactly the same because all that matters is how it looks with the box completely no, sealed factory. If they were able to X-ray the game and like physically say, "Hey, this game is no longer a working game." Well, until th- th- that's like asking, like, what if I could, you know, no, put this is a giant dicks on my face and this is a fundamental uh, you difference know, between go into th- Walmart. You literally have a graded car with a card with a penis on it. That is not allowed. I don't. I wish I did. No, you wish you did. But there are graded cards with penises on them that would not be allowed in competitive play. Even well, if, no, you you could. Yeah, you couldn't play it like that, anyways. Yeah, even it, like hypothetically, even if it's not warped or anything, like as soon as you put the dick card out on the table, you get like banned from the tournament for like sexually harassing your opponent. Yeah, you just plop your penis on the table. And say, this is my Pikachu. You might not be allowed inside that Toys R Us anymore. Do you ever go to, uh, like, Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments at Toys R Us? No, I would, like, kill myself if I ever had to do that. I, I, I was, like, seven. I was fucking cheating. It was dope. Legitimately. Yeah, that's that's a problem that happens, is, like, all those events are set up by people who don't know anything about card games. So it's, like, everyone just gets all their shit stolen by, like, older people or other kids. Well, I told you my method of cheating in Yu-Gi-Oh, right? What was that? I, I didn't know how to shuffle cards, so I would cut the deck, but I would only cut it from the middle to the top, and then I would just take the six cards at the bottom and put them on top, like I'm cutting the deck. But, like, I was... The thing is, like, in retrospect, if we if I wasn't, like, a nine-year-old playing another nine-year-old, I totally would have been caught, because I'm, like, at the bottom, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, on the top. Dude, like, the nine-year-olds playing in tournaments nowadays would, like, cut, call you. They'd be like, judge, yeah, this well, person is doing this. Well... Me as a nine-year-old found a six-card Exodia. I know that Exodia is five cards. Six cards is kind of whatever. 
but I would fucking win every single match with the same cards. You're a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit as a nine-year-old, yes, but I would win every match with the same combo and no one would stop me. Like, at at what point is that, like, the tournament's fault or my opponent's fault? Like, hey. It's your fault. It's Of course it's my fault. Of course, it's the cheater's fault. You know you're cheating. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. Uh, first of all, I do not cheat at card games now. I play Hearthstone. I, I don't even play Hearthstone as a card game anymore. I play Battlegrounds. I don't know. Like, I can't even trust playing games with you anymore. Okay, I cheat. I'm not gonna. I was a cheater. Okay. No, you know the thing is, I cheated at Yu-Gi-Oh. I bought Gold and Maple Story. Am I a piece of shit? I'm probably a piece of shit. Uh, I'm just retrospective on my <sighs> on my video game life, but. At what point, like, when you see a person winning with the same combo in, like, two turns every single match for, like, matches on end? Like, <laughs> instantly. It's because you're, like, I guess it's different now because, like, back then it was just, like, the wild, the wild west. And, like, 30-year-olds played with 5-year-olds, played with 9-year-olds, played with 20-year-olds. And yeah. now it's all, like, now it's all sectioned by, like, age. So it's, like, all, like, the little kids are playing with that. And then there's, like, judges overseeing it to make sure everything's correct. Maybe, maybe there was... I, revenge was had because i know i got ripped off like there was this like 35 year old man who like was at every single uh match and he had a binder of cards but lava golem that's like 55 dollars or no that he'd be like oh how much money did you come with i'm like my dad gave me 40 bucks to buy booster packs and I'm like oh this card's worth 40 dollars and like it was he definitely made the prices up on the spot based on how much money you had so i definitely got ripped off so it's okay. I got ripped off, but in exchange, I won every single match that I was able to cheat successfully. There were, there were times where I didn't count correctly, and I, I wasn't able to cheat due to the fact that I just was bad at cheating. So maybe this is all okay. Back to the conversation. <laughs> if, I, if I put out as a nine-year-old a, a penis-carved card, I probably would have got banned from play faster than cheating literally every single game in my tournament career as a nine-year-old. So Probably. the fact that that was graded shows that, like, the grading process is not about playability. It's kind of irrelevant of playability. At the same well, time... No, yeah, it has nothing to do with playability. It's just the condition of the card is like a collector. It's a collector's. It's There's a difference between collectors and playing. Once you get to, the, like, the realm of grading things, you're not, you don't give a shit about playing it. You're just collecting it to collect it. I guess, but, like, that's weird from a video game aspect. Hypothetically... If you have a brand new complete inbox game, you're not as a collector going to make sure that the game inside works. Hypothetically, you have a disgruntled factory employee. He scratches the theoretically shit. there could be there could be no game inside of there theoretically. Yeah, yeah theoretically there could be no game inside there or there could be a game but we'll by a disgrunt, disgruntled employee scratched up the shit. It can't work at all. Hypothetically, if you're able to x-ray that and see the scratches on the disc that would make it unplayable, the value of that would plummet so hard. But, like, I, what I'm trying to say, the whole argument here that, like, I've been trying to say for, like, the last, like, 20 minutes, holy shit, is that, like, the ability to play a game, especially a loose game, we're, we're discounting the new game argument here because, like, the new game argument is a black box. You have no idea what you're getting and it's never going to be played. But a complete in-box item or, like, a loose item, if those ever get graded, the ability to play it will probably increase the price tenfold. Hypothetically, if you have a game, Super Mario 64, it's in perfect condition. PSA 10. But you actually put the game in there, and it's like, yeah, this game is damaged beyond belief. I don't know how that would be PSA 10 in that case. So it's like, like I said, though, like once it's encapsulated, it's irrelevant, because you can't, like, you, you break the seal, it loses all value. But as part of the sealing process, they have to test the game. Well, they they would they don't grade loose games. They never will. That just isn't a thing. Then I don't see how they're going to actually grade the 
retro game market. Like legitimately, like ninety five percent of so it's sales beca- on the retro game market are it's so it's loose game because it's it's because laymen just see all these articles. Same thing happened with Pokemon cards, and same thing with every other hobby. Same thing happened with um, coins. Coins happened in the eighties. There were all these. Why my phone is fucking going nuts. Um, in the 80s, there was a problem with coins where they were uh, the grading services came out of nowhere and started grading coins, and all these coins were like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And what ha- ended up happening is that no one was no one was buying them. People were just like getting them graded, just people were investing in them and stuff like that. Um, and there were all these articles saying like coins are worth more than gold, they're worth more than this, more than that. Uh, and then one person started sold, um, selling. Like, I think it was, like, um, Goldman Sachs, like, all these other investment firms were, like, oh, we have all these coins, invest in us, like, your your thing will go up in price forever. One person sold, and suddenly all your coins are worthless. Uh, there was hundreds of thousands of dollars in... <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there were hundreds of thousands, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, lawsuits from all these things. There were official, um, you know, laws put into place that were coins that were graded. There were special funds put in to prevent this from ever happening again. Uh, and it, what's actually really funny is the person who was at the center of all this, who caused all this, who started all this grading, is the same person who runs Heritage Auctions now. Well, shit. I mean, obviously, there's conspiracy here. Obviously, like... Well, there's no conspiracy. Is He's doing the same thing again. Okay, by conspiracy, I meant just fucked up shit. I, I guess, like, synonymous with me is conspiracy means just, like, devious shit going on. But, like, there's a difference between coins, which, like, you're not getting a brand... Like, who is selling... Like a roll of coins, probably someone, but that's like that's not the coins being so sold. So mind you, this was the '80s. This was before video games. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is there's a fundamental difference in that, like the coins, they're gonna come loose or they're gonna come in a roll, which people definitely don't care about. They come, they actually care about the actual. Well, these, these of the, the coin when first. people say collectible coins, they're talking about coins from like the 1800s. And yeah, like 1905. But those are like, loose coins. I'm saying specifically the value in a video game. You can't have it brand new in order to tell the actual value of it. It's a fundamentally different proposition than coins and trading cards and pretty much everything else in this realm. Because once you actually can test the video game and see that it works, that's where, like, the whole value in a video game is the video game. It's not, the packaging is important for a collector, but hypothetically, if you don't know, like, there's, there's no. I, co- I, I guess I completely degree, disagree. Like a lot of people just collect for aesthetics. They collect for aesthetics, but if they knew that their video game didn't work, that would be a completely fundamentally different question. Like they wouldn't want that but video like game. They you want don't a new know what version you, of it's that. like it's like one of those things. Like you don't know what you don't know. So what? What? I, the whole crux of this argument is that I'm saying vi- video game collecting. Like people who are actually buying video games are fundamentally different. Like yeah, there is a massive collection aspect, but like the the people who are collecting them are at least like testing their products and that. Newer video games are sold at a significantly lower rate than complete in box, and that's not necessarily because there aren't as many new fe- uh, new video oh, games. Actually, if you look on eBay, recently sold like that's just because there's less of them out there. No, like, I, it, I, it, that, that, if, if you if you compare the amount in circulation to how many are being sold, they're way way more. Like every single sealed and new game is being sold right now. People are literally going to conventions. Mind you, what's actually funny is that the the WADA people were going to game uh, conventions, and Pat the NES Punk was actually watching them go table to table buying every single sealed game they possibly could uh, before opening up WADA. They were going with uh, Heritage Auctions people. First of all, like the sealing process on a new game is is fundamentally screwed. Like I, it's so. 
easy to fake a brand new game like compared to like ever are you wrong it's not it's you, you you're wrong you can't you can't like it's it, people say the same argument with like it factory ceiling is completely different because it's like there's just a million ways to tell like how to get like the exact like pictures like no one is spending like like the machines they do this with are millions of dollars like they're not spending millions of dollars to seal like a, a 30 dollar game you know what okay. i mean like uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, but like I will say that like complete in box, I feel like is more valuable to a lot of collectors than necessarily new. Like, I, oh, I, I think I think complete in box is way cooler. I think the whole sealed video game thing is fucking stupid. That's, like you said, that's, that's you what I'm trying it. to say. Like, I, I yeah, agree. I, I made but then, one bad it, point, but like, but but like the whole money behind it is that sealed um, anything is going to be worth more. It's like, for example, like um, in Pokemon cards, if you have a sealed factory sealed booster box, there are cards in that set that's like um, maybe $400, but like if you have the box of 36 packs sealed, that box could be worth, you know, $25,000. Yeah, that's that's why, uh, what's his name? Jake Paul like spent like $25,000 on the booster pack, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it, it's worth, and, and it doesn't matter what it is across any hobby, anything sealed is worth more. The weird thing about Pokemon and why it doesn't really translate to this argument is due to the fact that, like, a booster pack is anything. It's a mystery. Like, you don't have individually sealed cards sold by the Pokemon company. Like, the best thing I could think of is, like, movie-based cards, but even then, I don't think they were in plastic packaging. I think they just came with the ticket. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I don't they really were, remember. like, in individual plastic wraps, which actually, okay. those are actually, like, all promos come in, like, individually plastic wrap, which actually, they are worth a little bit more, but, um, no, I, I can see what you're saying about that. Like, to us, obviously, the intrinsic value is with being able to play the game i prefer complete in box versus sealed but like all these articles all these graded things like all these things that are making these layman's and casual people who aren't in the know uh buy and hype up all these games is due to this sealed new um hype right now so i mean we've talked about this so extensively i'm just gonna like my final point is that i feel like the people who are buying retro video games are of a mindset that it is playable and therefore care more about complete in box than new. You are saying that the hobby itself is being taken over by investors who don't give a shit about video games, and I understand that. However, I feel like the fundamental difference between video game collecting and other collecting art forms is going to make this bubble pop faster than the bubbles that will inevitably pop in trading card games, and I guess that already popped in coins. I think that coins are still relatively valuable, but I think that, like... Retro video gaming is different. It has similar aspects and it has similar actors trying to usurp the normal collector in terms of like price manipulation. Oh, I'm not saying that uh, my whole argument isn't that they're going to keep going up. My whole argument is that the bubble's going to pop and everyone's going to lose all their money invested in these games. Well, those people suck. And if you are trying to get out, if you're trying to sell your collection, find it and sell it fast. I don't give a shit. I want to play my games. Like it, like. The person who made SNES Chalmers is like, oh, are you gonna are you gonna uh, put this on like a podium or are you gonna play it? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna play it. The whole point of this is that I have a cool ass SNES. And like obviously over time things degrade and my SNES doesn't work as well as I wished. If someone was like, I'll give you twenty thousand dollars for your SNES, would you do it? No. For twenty grand? I'd probably do it for a hundred thousand. Fucking Christ. I'd no, I <laughs> like legitimately Zoki doesn't do shit anymore. Like I 
I came with him for another project and it did not work out. I'll say it on the podcast. I wanted to make a Guy Fieri themed SD to SNES with like the flames and like him <laughs> on the top. And he said he was not interested, which I mean, I, I guess that was the worst idea of all time. <laughs> it would have um, been amazing, though. It would have been amazing, but he didn't want to do it. And I was like, oh, I'm Picante, so I want the flames, but I also want the Guy Fieri because... Uh, but. Like, I don't think he takes on many projects at this point, and there aren't really that many SNES or custom SNES makers. Like, I feel like that is a lucrative business. Like, I actually, it was weird because, like, I don't want to get too deep into it because I respect him as a person. I know he has, like, some secrecy, but, like, I had to, like, he had to, like, get new equipment to specifically make my SNES. And then, like, shortly after, he didn't seem like he made that many more SNESs. He's made a couple of might It might be a matter of, like, the, um, the materials and things you need to use to make it look good are like actually like really really difficult and specific because uh, i know like this is the super nintendo at a glance it, it looks kind of porous so to make yours look so smooth and stuff like that they probably got to do like an, a bunch of extracurricular shit to like make it look really nice granted i'm sure someone else could do it but i i imagine the difficulty behind learning to do that and the amount of money you would have to spend to actually learn that skill is probably prohibitive so i want to i want to say i actually legitimately do not know the methodology and how he did this and therefore i am not giving away his secrets because i i I legitimately just don't know but like based on what i've seen in like the world of like graphical printing i think he does that like water technique you know what i'm talking about where he like dips it oh the the water dipping yeah yeah um but like that i mean it's it is the coolest looking super nintendo in the world though yeah so i'm kind of cool and I I genuinely apologize, like, Zoki. I I respect you, and if you're somehow listening to this, which I highly doubt, like uh, I'm adding them on Twitter that I'm still banned from. Yeah, don't do that because I I respect. I, I honestly don't want to give them more press than they they. I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I appreciate what you've done, and I'm not asking for anything from you. So don't. Yeah. That therefore whatever. <laughs> that let's let it fizzle out. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about how I can't find my... This whole thing started because I can't find my Super Nintendo games, and I'm super upset about it. When I moved, so my shoes got stolen, and a bunch of my mom's stuff got stolen, so shit. we think the movers took it. I have to go through all my shit in my storage. Like, I'm going to be cleaning up everything, throwing a bunch of shit out. I need to get bookcases and all that kind of stuff and get everything set up because most of my stuff in storage right now is books. Like, I have, like, encyclopedias, like, cool books and stuff like that. Speaking of stuff getting stolen, from you heavy transition what are you talking about getting boosted oh i boosted our discord all right that transition's going away that's the we can't talk about that <laughs> i was no I was no, no, so no, confused. no there's actually there is actually a topic about this so what happened was um i um set up for discord nitro because you're like dude we had this conversation about fucking uh youtube being unwatchable without premium and it was like oh you get three months of premium so in the fine print for that what they don't tell you is that if you have ever had youtube premium at any point in your life the code doesn't work so I got Nitro, and I do not get to use YouTube Premium with it. It is a useless code for me. Well, to be fair, we we talked about this a bit at the beginning of the podcast, but I feel like you've gotten your value from YouTube Premium, even if you don't use it anymore, even if you're not a YouTube... Well, I, I, I stopped using it. I, I stopped paying for it because it's so expensive. It's no. Like, it's like... Isn't it $9 a month? No, it's like 13 bucks. Eleven ninety. Okay, twelve ninety nine a month. I don't know. When you do the math, you definitely got the better end of the stick with your controller. But what can we say? Oh, absolutely. I, it's just a matter of, like, I, w- I probably wouldn't have gotten Discord Nitro. Dude, are you not enjoying the slightly better audio quality? And then you also get global emotes. How many servers are you in? Do you really want me to count? 
No, but just give an estimate. Like 130. Okay, same. So you got access to all those emotes in every single server. It's actually more of an inconvenience than an actual... Like, you type in Pepe, and then, like, you have 700 yeah, like emotes, and 700, none, of them, yeah. none of them are I actually guess I, the I, I'm ones. not really, like, a power user of Discord anymore. Ever since I quit playing WoW, it's like I really don't have a reason to, like, use a lot of Discord. Because that was, like, the main reason I use Discord, because most of my shit's, like, WoW-related. Some of it's, like, you know, shit I watch, or, like, crypto, but it's, like... I. You could, like, be honest, you could probably leave 75% of your discords and, like, nothing would change. Yep. I feel like most of the discords I'm in are just, like, I can't not be in the discord as a manner of, like, supporting the person. But I gotta do this, okay? And are you are you bracing yourself right now? Okay. Discord. More like piss cord. Do you feel good about that one? Yeah, I do. Like, you could have said, like discord more like dicks horde fuck